Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. The summer of nothing. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. That's a hard pass as it turns out. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. What is a weekend? A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. We've already done a summer. Hello, welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, you guys, uh-oh, here comes summer. Uh-oh, here comes summer. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I mean, as we say, there's a great line in Downton Abbey where the guy who's like kind of a commoner is like, well, we do that on the weekend. And Maggie Smith, who plays the Dowager Countess, is like, what is a weekend? Like, she's offended by the idea that there's a weekend because they don't work. And I'm like, what is a summer? I don't really understand how it's going to be distinct from my current fresh hell. Exactly. Like if we're supposed to make Wednesday different from Tuesday in order to get through this time. (laughs) Now we're supposed to make August different than July, apparently. Exactly. It's going to be all the fun with more of the cranky heat, Amy. It's what Michael Ruan of the Washington Post called the summer of nothing. It's better than the summer of the shark. Remember there was a summer of the shark? I mean, I guess. That was exciting. I think nothing's better than a shark. This is... Also, it turned out that wasn't a thing, and there were less shark attacks that summer than regular. It has been like the long, slow, like, oh, this got canceled. Up, oh, yep, this is getting canceled. <laughs> well, we might be able to do this. Parents will let you know. No, no, that's also been canceled. No, that's a no. That's a hard pass, as it turns out. I mean, in some ways, that's been the good news. I've said before, like... The slow rolling nature of it has definitely primed us for like, oh, I guess we'll just accept our hideous fate. Like just a puppy that's been kicked one too many times. We're like, I know I didn't deserve horse riding camp. Yep. Yeah. We're like, we're out. Okay. But summer, I did say recently to my husband that like my kids were out of school, I guess, like most people, second week of March. And then it's, you know, whatever, heading into June. We've done a summer's length, right, of laying around. I said, we've already done a summer. Yeah. Like a full summer. It's already been two and a half months. And now we do summer. I think it will be a little bit better. Okay. Give me hope. Why? I think the structure of homeschooling has been great, but I'm hoping we can keep some of the structure of homeschooling by doing some like 
camp-like activities on Zoom and such. I think we are going to set some very strong parameters around screen time. One of the things that has made our homeschooling work really well is no screens nine to three. And so I think we're going to try to implement that for the summer. And then I don't know. I think it's going to be really chill. And I think my kids are going to have to figure out how to play. I think we will end up probably quarantining with my sister and her kids a bit so that my kids will have someone to play with. And so I think it's going to be better. (laughs) That's all. That's my final statement. And I'm sticking to it. Yeah, you're just it sounds like you're just saying it. You're just going to fake it till you make it. No, I mean, I do think that I will say we had a full month of 40 degree rainy days in March, April here in New York. And that was soul crushing. Like the fact that I can go outside onto my lawn and put headphones in and ignore my children makes my life better than being stuck in an open floor plan house with them, which I was for a full month. And so the warm weather is happy eating outside, being able to grill a burger versus like, what's for dinner? I don't know. I think it's going to be easier. Yeah, it is easier to be able to go outside. And except for some people, you know, I have a friend who lives in St. Augustine, Florida, and she just was putting up an Instagram like, oh, here comes summer. Now what are we going to do? It's going to be too hot to be outside. (laughs) So it's funny. Be careful what you wish for, right? Good point. Because my People from Texas, when I was like, oh, and what's really hard is it's 38 and raining. And they'd be like, oh, it's beautiful here. It's 80 here. And I'm like, yeah, call me back in July, friend, and see how you're doing when it's 110. And at least here, it's like 85, you know? Right. I think it's just hard because usually for us as moms, it's like, oh, we're just going to let it all hang out. We'll sleep in. We'll do whatever. It's the what summer camp calls 10 for two, which means, you know, you work for 10 months to get that two months of perfect sweetness of unstructured having fun, right? Except this year, it was not 10 for two. It was September until it was six for six. And it's feeling stressful. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit, Amy, which is usually your job. You're usually the pusher backer around here. Oh, I disagree. But push back away. (laughs) I think that The homeschooling has been hard for my kids. And I think the end of homeschooling is going to be kind of a welcome relief. And I do think there is an opportunity. I'm not saying it's going to be all, you know, popsicles and fireflies, but I do really see a possibility to have a pretty old school summer. Like my brother and sister and I, we didn't really have very organized summers when I was growing up. And We explored. I will say my kids are a great age. They're like eight, nine, and 11. So they can all ride a bike. They can pretty much all, you know, we can go on adventures. We can go hiking. I think it's going to be old school. And they have peers. I mean, the peers thing in New York is still pretty strange because like, I'm not super comfortable with them hanging out with their friends. Well, by peers, I meant that they have like one another. I mean, you don't have a summer camp, but you have three kids that are within five years. And so we'll hopefully sometimes entertain each other. Oh, yes. Good point. Yeah. I mean, and I'm kind of hoping that as the opening up hopefully starts to go well, we could theoretically, I mean, I will get together with their cousins. Like we can be a unit because we've all been quarantining and like, hopefully there will be a little bit more opportunity for peer interaction because- They're a little tired of each other as peers. (laughs) Yes. I have already promised my kids that at some point this summer, we will figure out somebody. We have cousins who are close in age. My oldest is a high school junior who hasn't seen his friends in months. We're like, okay, we're going to have like one person 
who it's okay, like one at a time. You have to figure out these sort of gray areas to have sort of camp your house. I mean, even Camp Grandma is at least questionable for some of us this year. Well, yeah, especially with older people. And the thing is, your kids are a good age and my kids are borderline because even my eight-year-old, I'm like six feet apart. She doesn't know what six feet is. She forgets, you know, she's a hugger. So I worry about it. And then with a two-year-old, there's no way that you're going to say like, you have to stay six feet apart from every other two-year-old. These two-year-old's jobs is to like lick each other's faces, basically. <laughs> right. right. And maybe that's okay, right? I mean, we're figuring all this out as we go, but it's just a little bit more work for us. That's what I'm dreading. It's I think I'm dreading the uncertainty of will this work and will this be okay? And I'm planning my summer so far right now around my high school junior who has to take tests for college and also has an internship that sounds like it might be happening remotely, which is, I guess, better than not at all. But it's yeah, the uncertainty of it gets to me along with the nagging notion of they are supposed to do something worthwhile with this time? What have you done with this time? Maybe the answer should be nothing. Oh, no, they're not. No, I reject this premise. Yeah, well, it's different for a 17-year-old than a 7-year-old. I mean, they're supposed to survive a global pandemic, which is more than anyone their age has ever been asked. Not ever. In the 1918s, they were still asked to do it. But it's more than a lot of people have been asked to do. And like, as we say in Texas, calf rope, you're done. Like, that's all you have to do is get through it. I think I'm morning a little bit of like, it's the pattern, you know, it's that summer means something very different that you flip the switch and it's a totally different way of being and it's ice cream for dinner and it's staying outside and maybe some of that stuff can still exist. I'm sort of getting a little stuck mourning for what's not going to happen this summer instead of what still can happen. I feel like for some ways for summer, it is easier for me. And I do feel that feeling of like, I grew up with a very specific kind of summer, which was like my brother and sister and I exploring in the woods. And we went to my grandma's house and we she lived near a beach that we could walk to by ourselves and like finding weird shells and making up weird games. And I feel like I have always felt a little bit like I hate this summer where I'm like, I am feeling bad because my kids are kind of lounging around and other people are sending their kids to like the Metropolitan Museum of Art camp where they're, you know, learning about art on this very deep level and my kids are lame. And I kind of feel like, here goes my summer, baby. Like, I'm not excited about quarantine. I hate not being able to see people. I absolutely hate that. Like, one of the things that we cherish the most about our summers is that it's our time to travel and see all of our family. And that's not going to happen this year. So like, there's a ton of stuff I'm mourning for. But like, the kind of Phineas and Ferb song version of summer. And maybe it's an illusion and maybe we'll all be miserable. But I do kind of feel like let's lean into the opportunity to like lay around on a blanket and read a book and have an old school 70s style summer. So can I tell you what the sort of definition of what a summer should be by a, a child psych who spent a lot of time thinking about this? Peter Gray. I mean, you can. You're going to like it. Okay. And this is not, he is the author of a book that's called Free to Learn, Why Unleashing the Instinct to Play Will Make Our Children Happier, More Self-Reliant, and Better Students for Life. I can even leave off the better students part for you. It's an end in itself. Yeah. So this is what he says summer goals should be. And these, by the way, are goals for a summer that are completely independent of this moment. This is what he was saying summer should be, you know, before any of this happened. That the primary role of summer, 
Peter Gray says, is to experience the real world and get away from school. Like, okay, so that gets a little complicated because they have been away from school and it's not the real world. But the other thing he says, it's a time to explore your own interests and work on your hobbies. The things that poetry tells us are good for the human soul. So I feel like the goal for the kids is to explore their own interests. And I think I'm stuck on this because I'm always stuck on this stuff more than you are, but it's also with older kids. I am supposed to get them to explore something, you know, and not just like stay in bed till 2 p.m. And younger kids are more likely to go outside with a stick and, you know, poke at an ant mound. But an older kid to get them off their phones and engaged in something is a little more tricky. And yet I think important for their well-being. Very important and a problem that people have literally only worried about in the last 20 years. And part of that is because the technology wasn't the same. It wasn't handheld before, right? So like our parents didn't really have to worry. They had to worry about us like watching too much TV. And that was easier to control because first of all, there was nothing good on during the day. And like we would still watch like One Life to Live when we were eight and be like, I don't know what this is, but it's better than being outside. But certainly... The idea of like this curated experience that we create for our kids is a very new idea. But you're right. A lot of that is because it seems like the other option is like sitting in a basement on a sunny day and like shooting people on Fortnite. We don't want our kids doing that all summer. No. And what else has gone away for older kids is lifeguarding jobs and the ice cream shops closed. And, you know, they, oh, I don't know, the camp counselor thing that they were going to do. Most of them, for most of our older kids, whatever they thought they were doing this summer has gone away and is being replaced with, you know, more time looking at mom, which is not good for either one of us. Not going great, actually, for anybody. No. I mean, I go back and you know, guys, I am the least like Pollyannish silver lining. This would all be okay. But for some reason, summer is getting me on this level of like, what if this was exactly what was supposed to happen for my kids? And I don't say it cavalierly because like, I don't believe this was supposed to happen. I don't believe there's a reason for everything. I certainly see the like horrible tragedy that has affected people I love dearly within this whole nightmare. But what if is the summer that your kids need? And like, it's not that it is the summer my kids need, but approaching it that way, it's like, yeah, you know what? It might be good for my kid who plays too many video games to really have to figure out what it feels like to be bored and what's on the other side of that. Like, and summer makes it easier. I understand why they don't want to like walk around in circles in the driveway. But like one of my kids the other day, like sat outside and talked to the cat for an hour in the driveway. And I was like, I could not think of a better activity for that kid than sitting outside and talking to the cat. Like they wouldn't have done that on another day. I absolutely agree with that. That is a good use of their time. And I guess I'm worried about like, so how am I going to get them to do that? But getting them to do that is maybe just giving it the space to occur. Maybe that's all that needs to happen. And I do think it involves giving it, giving them the space to occur with older kids has to involve nobody, including mom in this house, looks at a screen between nine and 12 and three and six or whatever it is. Like, it's very easy to be like, let's have a 70s childhood where everyone's free and rides their bikes and looks for aliens. First of all, it's harder to do that now because like my kid was getting more independent riding his bikes places. And I have cut that down because I feel like it's too much for him to manage. Like, when do I have to put a mask on? What's happening? Like the whole quarantine rules, that's over his head. He's 11 years old. I would trust him on a regular day to go ride his bike and grab a piece of pizza, but I don't feel comfortable personally with him knowing, like, I put my mask on when I talk to someone, I wash my hands after I handle money. So he's lost some of that freedom. 
But I do think if you can say there's no screens, it just forces a whole different life interaction. And for me, the pressure is gone of like, but should my kid be really talking to the cat in the driveway for an hour? Or should he be enriching himself at some mystical camp? I think that the answer is talking to the cat might even be better. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sitaro from the Momtourage podcast. And on the other side, we're going to talk about free play and why that could be the best thing for your kid to have this summer. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So today we are psyched to have the co-hosts of the Momtourage podcast with us, Ashley Heron-Smith, who is the mom of a two-year-old boy, and Carrie Sotaro is the mom of a one-year-old girl. You guys might remember Ashley and Carrie from the Scary Mommy Speaks podcast, and now there's Momtourage. Welcome, Ashley and Carrie. Hi. Hi, ladies. So, Ashley, you go first. Tell us how things are going and how your summer is shaping up or not. So, uh, so far, the summer has been very contained to my home. And that has presented some very interesting obstacles, you know, having a almost three-year-old son who just wants to get out into the world and be crazy and play. We're very limited in our home. So <laughs> I have to say we've had a lot of debate, voting and, you know, weigh in on worst case scenario during quarantine and single 
child between the ages of two and four always comes out on top. So congratulations. <laughs> yes. You are the winner of worst situation. <laughs> this is really uh, encouraged my husband and I to finally tackle our pretty large backyard that is basically a garbage pile and um, <laughs> a zoo for, you know, wildlife. How's it going? Uh, well, we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so talking about great. it is the same as working on it. And that's our philosophy. Pretty much. They bought a jungle gym for the inside of the house, actually. <laughs> it seems like training feral cats could be a great summer camp activity. They for have child. names. That's half the battle. All right. I mean, when they, that kid grows up to be like, you know, the lion tamer at the zoo, yeah. you'll be like, look, it all worked out just fine. Carrie, how's it going for you? Uh, pretty, pretty okay. My daughter is almost two now and things are getting weird, but I'm not sure if they're weird because she's almost two or because it's quarantine. It's really hard to tell. Could be both. Could, Could be, be both. both. <laughs> How are they getting weird? She's biting and she's oh. throwing things and she's exploring her independence in all the amazing ways and all of the horribly annoying <laughs> ways. We call that Tuesday. Karen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm really over the throwing of the food. I'm really over that. Mm. Yeah, that's not a great phase. Last week's episode was a, was called The Great Regression, and it was why, like, all of us, including adults, every kid is regressing to earlier behavior, and a two-year-old doesn't have that much runway for that. But it's, you know, it's going okay. I'm really lucky that we have a place to stay that is not Brooklyn, New York right now, and so we take her to the beach every day, and she can run all that energy out and eat the sand, and then go to sleep. That's pretty heavenly. It does seem to me like atmosphere or environment is huge right now. And yeah. my husband and I, we have 11, 9, and 8. And our whole game plan every day is like, can we get some sort of inflatable pool? It's got to be something other than play Fortnite all day and then punch each other in the face and get sent to your rooms. Like that that can't be what we do for two and a half months. You know what I'm actually for reals concerned about is me and my cousins. My cousins are all my age and have kids. We all have kids around the same age. All of us have said that the amount of amazing activities that we are making for our kids every day, like every day is some sort of amazing Montessori homeschool challenge. And our kids are still getting bored. After quarantine, our, our kids going to expect to be this amazing all the time, because even being this amazing, this creative, they're still bored. Right. That's really nice. My kid gets the iPad and I'm just like, all right, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, that stunned silence you heard was like amazing activities. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> Remember, not happening I only have house. one. <laughs> that's right. And and the problem with a two year old is that if you don't keep them entertained, they like take light bulbs out and eat them. Like it is. I understand yeah. that the dilemma with a young, young kid is really different. Like a bored two year old is a different problem than a bored eight year old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the issue is that like we've had summer already, right? Like we were, we were talking about this earlier that summer is usually a time for, you know, letting it all hang out and doing whatever and lying around. And it feels different this year because it's like we, we did that already. That was March, April, May. What is June, July, August going to look like? We can't just keep doing that for three more months. Or can we? I guess my question for you ladies is when homeschooling ends for the summer, or maybe it has for you already, is that going to be better or worse for your situation? I mean, good question. That is I a think. good one. We debate it quite often. I think it's going to be both, of course. Like, I really love the structure that homeschool gives our day. So with three kids, we do nine to 11, one to three. That's our homeschooling hours. And my kids are 
fairly independent so I can kind of duck in and duck out of the experience. I'm not sitting over a kid like trying to teach them for four hours. Yeah. And then we have managed to make 11 to 1 recess, no screens. And so the greatest thing that homeschooling gives us is nine to three, no screens in my house. Mm, Because otherwise my boys would play 14 hours of Fortnite a day. And it's like screens for a good cause. Yeah, they are they are on screen, but they're on doing like their schooling yeah. stuff. Right? Oh, yeah. And even if like one of them is sneaking a little YouTube in between classes, like too bad, so sad. I don't really care. But it just it gives the day a shape. And I am for sure worried. And I am to some degree considering telling them that homeschool didn't end and just kind of keeping it going. <laughs> You're like, now you're going to watch this Werner Herzog documentary and write a book report about it. <laughs> exactly. Like whatever it takes to get through the day. But be like, no one of the other kids are showing up in the Zoom classroom. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a new structure now. You only see yourself. That, that teacher looks like mommy in a wig. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> my, my kids, they're, you know, pretty busy all day from nine to three. So that's heavenly. I mean, you, I'm sure you hear that as the parents of toddlers and are like, what? Like my kids yeah. are sort of at their desks, busy. They need to know like what they're going to have for lunch. But other than that, they're on their own. But then my evenings turn, it's it's study hall and I don't understand this problem set. And I can't think of anything to say for this history paper and that I have an evening thing of that. So far, it has kept 3 p.m. different from 10 a.m. Margaret and I talk about this every week. Like you have to make Monday different from Tuesday. Right now, 3 p.m. is very different from 9 a.m. in my house but it's about to not be. And I think for a week or two, it's going to be okay to lie around. And then the things they were planned are gone. So do we soften into that and five months of lying around or, or do we, I don't know, make up new stuff? It's, it's harder to lie to older kids is what I'm saying. There's two things that you just said that gave me like hot sweats. One of them <laughs> was when you said problem set. I'm not looking <laughs> forward to when I need to help my kid with math of any kind. Yeah, it's really bad. It's re- you, you're you're dead on with that fear because let me tell you, I like literally had my one armpit, which is my anxiety armpit, just full on started sweating. Yeah, dividing fractions. You're like, oh, I got nothing for you, kid. New nothing. math? No, I, my, that is definitely going to be my partner's oh, yeah. job. He likes the maths, so he's going to mm-hmm. do the maths with her. The second thing that you said is. The sheer amount of technology that you have to have to have multiple kids homeschooling in your house. Yep. Yes. And rooms with doors and that kind of thing, which depending on your living setup gets complicated. My my school sent home a Google survey, you know, to all the parents because it was a good question to ask, like, how many kids are in your house trying to work right now? How many computers do you have for them to be sharing or not sharing right now? And those were all good questions, but I thought it should have like, how many rooms with doors that close do you have to put these kids in? Because there's a lot of like, I'm in math class. Can't you see that? It's like, well, okay, I have to make myself lunch and you're all in the same place. It's lovely. Tip, although it's coming probably too late for most. We had a computer that used to be my mom's computer and now it's ours, whatever, old laptop. And of course the kids were carrying it by the screen. So the screen fell off and (laughs) I called the school and I said, do you have loaner laptops? Like, I really don't want to buy a fifth computer. It's not in our family budget. And there's almost no other time of our lives where five of us will be working on computers at the same time. And they gave me a loaner laptop from the school. And it's perfect. It's like, you don't need a ton of computing power to sign on to like Microsoft Forms and fill out, you know, your math test. You know, when I was a kid, my mom used to have workbooks ready for me every summer. I mean, up until pretty much my teenage years. So um, I do recommend that for your kids. I hated every second of it, but it kept me busy. 
Did she create these workbooks from scratch? Or no, were they... no, she would go out and buy them. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So I remember like learning about King Tut over the summer. <laughs> and then you went to theater school. This is oh, how yeah. it turns out, guys. You give yep. them workbooks all their lives and yep. then they become theater majors. This my, my, my mom can sing you this same song. I do think that's one thing that's harder for older kids than younger kids. Like everybody's heart is hard right now, but my, my older kids do have things they have to get done this summer. Like someone has, one has to catch up on a certain subject. Someone else has to plan for their college applications. It's... I am going to be cracking the whip in a way that I wish I didn't have to because that's not going to make June different from April this year. It's been mom standing over them saying you need to get this done for a long time already. I don't know what to do about that, you know? I mean, thank God I don't have older kids because at this point, I mean, I will have an older kid at some point, hopefully, God willing, but (laughs) I don't have the emotional maturity right now in quarantine. I I think I have the emotional maturity in general, but currently my mental state in quarantine does not have me able to have the mental maturity to deal with my kids being completely heartbroken and let down that summer and all the things they'd planned, camp or trips with their friends or beach or whatever, that that's not going to happen. I don't know how to hold space for that because I'm feeling like a kid 100% disappointed <laughs> that my summer plans are canceled. Yeah. And I feel like I'm being a baby about it. I feel like the only upside is that it's been such a like, it's like a glacier coming through. If I had had to sit down my kids and be like, our trip to Disney World we were going to do is canceled. And you're not graduating fourth grade. And Revolutionary Day is canceled. And we're not going to Texas. This like if I had to break any one of those pieces of news, but it it's somehow like the boulder. Would you agree, Amy? Like it rolled so slowly that we've just gone to like depressed acceptance. We never really had the like mind blowing horror of it all. It's just kind of been like, we're just like, okay, I accept my fate. I'm actually feeling kind of differently than all of you, I think, because my husband's working from home and, you know, otherwise we don't get that much time with him. And I feel like this is the first time where if we want to come down to Delaware and stay with his parents for an extended period of time and take advantage of a yard and a pool and a beach. I actually can do that for the first time since my son was born. So there is that little upside for me. No, I'm glad you said that because I think it's a really good point. And I've talked, I was, we were just talking to a couple of friends the other day and he works like traveling overseas. He's constantly like in China and business and he's always away. And we were complaining about how horrible it was. And they kind of were like, you know what? We kind of like it. Like we're all home together. Yeah. He doesn't have a commute. He gets, he makes breakfast for the kids. Yep. Then he's like only gone for eight hours a day. My husband worked from home before this started. We both worked from home. So I feel like for us, it just messed up what was great. And so yeah. I can see where like, if you had a really busy lifestyle before, and even for us, I mean, there has been certain, certainly I do not miss like when the calendar thing pops up and it's like, uh, Boy Scout meeting at 8 p.m. tonight. I'm like, yes, I am, I'm finally glad I don't have to do something. You know, there's a lot I don't miss. I agree with you on that. All right. So practically, what does your summer look like? What does your days look like? Are you panicking and making plans? Or are you just like, we're going to play it as it lays? So my day pretty much consists of being agoraphobic and uh, not leaving the house as much as possible. And uh just trying to keep everyone safe and alive, you know, and cooking a lot because 
it's the only joy I have in the day right now is just eating. Then I started to gain too much weight. So now I've been trying to work out in the morning to kind of offset all the eating I do the rest of the day. You are on the exact coronavirus like life curve, basically. Like, yeah, it's like we ate, we baked, we ate too much. Now we're trying to exercise more. And I will say, because a lot of our listeners are all over the country, I feel like a lot of people, as all New Yorkers here, it's it's been a very different experience for people in different parts of the country. So it makes sense that people are like, why is everyone going crazy about this thing? And it's like, well, because we live in New York. That's why, guys. Our summer looks like hopefully finding a home and spending time. We can't spend where we are right now um, quarantining. We, we have to be out at the end of June. But this is also where my family's from. So we're currently so wonderfully not quarantined in the same house as the rest of my family. <laughs> but we at the end of June, that will change. But hopefully come back and forth so that we can do things like walk on the beach or play outside and stuff like that and try to normalize it. I mean, really, this is the first summer my kid remembers. I don't want her to be completely shaped 100% by this virus. I mean, she is going to be, but I would like to have her have some like regular life stuff. And we can definitely for sure tell you as the Oldilocks parents of this group that she won't be. Yeah. I mean, you got a long way to go. This is going to be such a blip on the radar. Every year when you've got those little, little ones, you're like, oh, this is the formative. And like, they're they're pre-formative. So don't worry about Take Cross that off your worry list. And uh, Ashley, what about you? Summer. To be completely honest, I'm, I'm a homebody and pretty much always have been a homebody. So being home a majority of the time isn't an issue for me spiritually, you know, like in my soul, I enjoy it. It's uh, introverts paradise. That's what the people keep saying. It really is. We'll probably be driving down to Delaware pretty often and really just splitting up our time there because my husband can work anywhere where there's Wi-Fi. So can I. And uh, just really taking advantage of being able to spend extended periods of time with both sets of parents and our kid. Okay, so Ashley, tell us a little bit about the Momtourage podcast, what it's about, and where we can find it. Oh, the Momtourage podcast is just uh, just about two moms who are trying to get through. Uh, we want to be each other and other people's support systems, so we're your mom crew. You're, we are your Momtourage. You can find us at momtouragepodcast.com, on Instagram at momtouragepodcast, and uh, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. Hump day. Fill your Wednesdays, guys, you lucky dogs. Ashley and Carrie, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, ladies. Thanks, guys. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get 
$100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, Lumen dot me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you worried about spending too much time away from your kiddos? Gosh, I wonder what the kids are doing at school today. Concerned that you're missing out on family bonding time? Oh, my sweetie, I missed your cute face while you were at the Girl Scout meeting. Wishing you had more time in the kitchen. Oh, look, I found my mom's pineapple cake recipe. Why do I never make this? Try Global Pandemic. Honey, this email says they're shutting down the school for two whole weeks? With Global Pandemic, you'll never have to worry about alone time again. No, mommy is in the bathroom. I will be out to help you learn the three parts of government as soon as I review Mesopotamia facts with your brother. You'll be too busy engaging in a never-ending slog that combines the worst parts of parenting with the most painful aspects of teaching for five epic days a week. Honey, I'm just saying I think it would be better if you put your thesis statement here at the top of the paragraph. Mom, why do you hate me? You'll be more involved in your children's education than you ever thought possible. Oh, oh, sorry for walking by in the background of the second grade Zoom, guys. I didn't realize that was happening this morning. Is that mommy drinking a beer? Mind your business, Susan. I'm having a bad morning, okay? And kitchen time? You'll have plenty as you find yourself trying to push aside the simple terror of our new existence with scone baking, all while attempting to produce 3 to 12 full meals each day. How could it be time for lunch? I haven't even finished the breakfast dishes yet. Did someone say quality time? With Global Pandemic, you'll have nothing but as you spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with every single member of your family. I don't know where the video controller is. Ask your brother. I hate this house. Try Global Pandemic. Oh my God, you're all locked outside for the rest of the day. No, no, no. Don't bother knocking on the windows. I'm putting on my noise canceling headphones. Global Pandemic. Coming to you now through possibly 2021. Oh, Amy, that takes me back. A one-year-old going on two and a two-year-old going. It takes me back somewhere I never want to be again. It is a different kind of hard, right? I mean, I am focused on like, oh, how do I get my teenagers to want to do something who never want to do anything, but at least they're capable of self-absorption. 
even if it's not in something I want them to be absorbed in. Oh, God. At least it's not like a sweaty two-year-old in a diaper. That's no fun. Right. And that's going to be hard, too. I think the good thing about younger kids is that they don't know it's supposed to be different. And it's one way that it's easier. You know, your two-year-old doesn't really know. You usually fly to grandma's for two weeks and that's not happening this year. And so you can let go of a little bit of the ajuda that that's not happening this year because the kid is with mommy and he just saw a butterfly, you know, and they, they live in the moment. It's the older kids that are more caught up in like, oh, this stinks because this is how it's supposed to go. And it isn't. And I will say, I never like to advocate for spending money out of problems because people have really different income levels and like, you don't know, like, I don't like to be like, well, just buy yourself a plane ticket. Like who knows what people are able to do. But I do think this is a good summer. And my husband and I have been talking about it. We are not paying camp fees this summer. We are not paying for some travel that we usually do this summer. And so we are investing in some backyard equipment that we hope will help fill the days. And so I think even like I see on Instagram or other places, like a big, you know, tub to put the two-year-old in, in water, you know, and just whatever it happens to be, I would build it so that it works early on as much as possible. And sometimes it's hard to know and you can spend a lot of money on a swing set and then the kid turns out to just like to eat grass and that will happen. But I do think if you're looking at the long empty summer, I would try to think, and I will go back to my friend, the slack line. We still are playing with ours. It's pretty inexpensive. You just need two trees and then it's like these ropes. It's not an expensive thing. Tell everybody what it is because I feel like I didn't really understand it until I saw a picture of it. I can put a picture up in the show notes, but tell us what it is. It's two, like picture a belt, like a vinyl belt. It's two vinyl belts that you string between two trees and then you hold on to the top and you walk across the bottom like a tightrope. But then there's one on top to hold on to. And like my kids now like can do flips on it. And it's a pretty cheap investment. Like it's one of the things that gets the most use in our yard. We put up a zip line, which was a little bit more expensive. My husband's an engineer, so he was able to pretty much build it. And so we just needed the parts. It was a little bit more expensive. And the slack line, first of all, it's more active. A zip line, you're just sitting. And a slack line, you're kind of doing gymnastics on. And I will say, we now in our backyard have a swing set, a zip line, a slack line, and a treehouse, all of which my husband basically built. And they're bored of them. Like, you can't spend your way out of boredom. There's no way to do it. I don't care if you're like the richest person in the world and you're like J-Lo and you have nine pools and like a separate house and all sorts of stuff in your backyard. The kids will bore of anything that's out there. But it might be a good year to invest a little bit in like anything you're thinking of getting. What Little kids, my kids would get hours out of a water table, just a table with cups and water. You don't even have to buy one. I think they're pretty cheap, but like you could make one. You know, just something that's an activity outside, I think helps out. So the slack line makes me think of, I was looking at back at Peter Gray, we were talking about in the first segment, who is a child development psychologist who specifically talks about play and free play and how kids need to do, as you said, go right around on bikes and look for aliens that we need to get back to that for our kids. And he was saying that separate from this whole moment that we're in, but I think the moment that we're in offers this opportunity. So he talks about what's good free play, but he says that good free play, one thing is that it should be physically challenging, like the slack line, like it's a little bit hard. It's hard for them to get their balance. They have to really concentrate while they're doing it. And they may, little kids, by doing things that are a little challenging, climbing a tree, 
They're a little scared. They're a little this. They're pushing themselves to the edge, their feelings about those things, and then they're regulating themselves. They get much more emotional growth out of that than they do out of a math worksheet because they're figuring it out themselves. Am I brave enough to do this? Can I do it? And then they do. Yeah. I mean, and that is something that we've lost. And I do think that like, there is a return that is not to be squandered this summer. And I'm trying to lean into it. And it's easy for me to say, because my work is easy for me to do from home and my husband worked from home before this. So like, it's challenging for us to work and have the kids around, but it's set up pretty well for me. And like, we're in a pretty good spot where we live. It's really different from my friends who are living in apartments in the city. Like, it's like, it's not great, you know? Yeah. But in the situation that I'm in, I am a huge fan. I realize like I have a thematic love of stories that are about things that happen to people and then they find like their true selves in that place. So the book Bell Canto, do you know that book? Yeah, I do. About It's about a group that's taken hostage and like these relationships develop. And they were watching, I was saying last week, S Creek, the show <laughs> that I can't say the first word of because our podcast is rated clean. People finding their real life after the event they wish had never happened to them is a theme that I really like in movies and literature. And I'm trying to bring that heart into this experience a little bit. Like, what life is waiting for us on the other side of this bad experience? And the not knowing, like, I don't know what my kids are going to do this summer, but the not knowing is the point because it's free play and they're going to figure it out themselves. My not knowing has to go along with that. None of that eradicates the anxiety around it and the frustration around it. And we all feel so frustrated because like one day it's this information and the next day it's that information. And everyone's kind of like, I want to know what's going to happen. What are the rules? What's going to be happening here, there and everywhere? And the fact is we don't know. And so like this is the other side of the thing is just living in this kind of unknown place. And it's terrible. But my guess is if you put the right kind of goggles on, there's a lot of learning and gifts on this side of it. So can we talk a little bit about what Dr. Grace says about free play, like what it is? Because I think like what he was saying about it has to be physically challenging. Yes. Because I think the definitions help me sort of figure out one, that this is worthwhile and two, that it's okay, we're going to figure this out. So he says that free play is a, something that a child undertakes himself or herself and it's self-directed. So it's, it is go out and play. It isn't why don't you play with this activity that I've curated for you, right? Why don't you cut these things out of construction paper that I'm handing you? It really is figure this out. And the other point of free play, he says, is it has an end in itself. It's not part of an organized activity. Like your kid is talking to the cat outside and talking in the cat voice because he wants to. It's not a means to an end. It's completely self-contained. So those are two things about free play that make it seem a little easier to me. And another positive of summer and free play is like there's tons of schools now that are basing their curriculum around free play and trying to teach these skills to kids. Like you're getting that education for free this summer, guys. Like it's free play. And I would say for us, the biggest rule around free play is that come in as late as possible. And this is a really hard thing for me. And Amy, I think it's a hard thing for you. Like my son the other night decided he wanted to make an apple pie for his brother's birthday. And he hasn't really made one before, but he's cooked enough. And he's a Boy Scout, so he knows how to use a knife and stuff. And my husband and I both happened to be in the kitchen. We were kind of supervising. And my son would say, where's the cinnamon? And my husband would go to the cabinet and grab it and hand it to him. And I'm like, you can come in later to destroy that. He can find the cinnamon. He can find it. Like, the more we're around, the less he will make an apple pie, because it will just become like we are facilitating the experience of 
and apple pie being produced. And so we just kind of had to check ourselves and completely stop interacting. And he found the cinnamon and he found the measuring cup and he was measuring stuff out. And at one point he put got a cup of flour and it was like a heaping cup. And I was like, no, no, you've got to. I saw he was about to pour it in. I said, no, you've got to score it first and, you know, cut off the top. Okay. And then at one point he went to cut an apple and he was about to cut into it. And I could see his fingers were like right in line with the knife. Like he was going to cut through onto his fingertips. And so I jumped up. No, no, no. You've got to be careful where you got to be really aware of your hand are. But the latest you can come into the story, because I think free play becomes like, well, dad and I will build a giant obstacle course for you to free play on. That's right. Free play is the kids build the obstacle course. They have the kids come up with the game. They arbitrate the rules. They have to gain. They gain a sense of mastery, right? Your son is going to have much more of a sense of mastery over his world that he found the cinnamon or that we were talking a couple of weeks ago about when my teenager changed the light bulbs, the recessed light bulbs in the kitchen ceiling and was delighted with himself and that I let it go on. It took a lot longer than it needed to because I wasn't there to direct them, but he did it all by himself. And like, he thought he was hot stuff for five seconds, even though he's a cool kid now. And it is letting them do it themselves leads to greater feelings of confidence. Not that that like... He's making apple pie because he wants to. It doesn't have to be so he can go on Top Chef or that he becomes a baker when he grows up. Like, there is no end other than his feeling proud that he figured something out. So the more you leave him alone, the better it'll be. Yeah, there is no end other than having a successful conversation with your cat. There's no <laughs> secondary expectation there. I mean, hopefully a good pie. I mean, I, I hope it was a good in the end. Yeah, the pie was delish. So there was a secondary gain. Oh, see that? We just finished the book Bridge to Terabithia. Do you remember that book? Yes, I do. Oh, so good. And it's so, I mean, I kept almost stopping because it's a very tragic story. And I was like, I don't think my kids can handle it. But I had a vivid memory of reading it when I was in like second or third grade. And I read it with my second and fourth grader. And I plowed through it and they loved it. Although they found it, you know, very upsetting. But it's fundamentally a story about two friends who create this magical world in the woods. And... They're a little bit older, but it was like a good check-in for me, that book. Like, right, there is no better education you can get than making up a magical world in the woods with your friends. Like, that's the most enriching activity you can engage in. Yes. And I will say, we like urban Northeastern people, which you and I both are, are explaining something that I feel like my relatives in Texas are much better at. I mean, they just like grab the cooler, go down to the creek and the kids play all day. You know, I mean, they're much better at like, wait a minute, I'm failing because I'm not at a STEM class right now. I feel like they're much more in touch with like, let's have a roving and roaming summer. Melissa Bernstein, you know, Melissa and Doug Toy Company. Yes. She wrote an article that I'll put in the show notes about, you know, free play and kids. And she called it, what she was trying to capture was the siblings on the sidelines syndrome, by which she means like you take your kid to the weekend soccer game, the younger kids are on the sidelines. And she sort of bemoans that now more of them are on screens than there used to be, but that the point of the weekend soccer league, the kids who are getting more out of it might be the siblings on the sidelines who are like, what's your name? I went to a Phillies game when I was a child with my parents. And I remember them laughing because like I made friends with the girl sitting behind us who was a stranger and we played Barbies. And like I was turned around in my seat, not even watching my first major league baseball game. 
but it was total, like I was completely engrossed, had a great time playing Barbies with the kid. And that is more valuable than the soccer league. I thought that was really eye-opening. Oh, that is such a good lesson. And I'm glad you told that story because it encapsulates it perfectly. And it goes back to your great point, which is you don't interrupt a happy child. And like, I think most parents would have been like, stop playing Barbies. We're here to do baseball. That's what this is about. Right. And like, it's so nice that your parents were like, oh, this is what this kid is into. And I think- you know, no, we're going to play horse as a family now. So stop talking to the cat. That's an instinct I have to watch in myself. And it really is just like, what's the next fun thing? It's up to you. Watch a couple episodes of Phineas and Ferb. I know you recommend that show all the time because it really is about like summer and the gift of summer is imagination and downtime. The gift is not like finally a time to learn STEM. No offense, STEM. I love you, but you know, it's enough. Do you want to hear the last uh, thing about free play that's good? Because I think it really helps with this moment, too. Yes, please. That free play helps protect kids from anxiety and depression. Because, this is Dr. Gray again, those who believe that they master their own fate feel more confident. So your kids will not be anxious while they're playing with the cat or making the apple pie, and they control their own world, and it makes them feel better about themselves, which leads to less depression and anxiety, and that's something we could all use right now. Again, that's not the reason, like, go make an apple pie so you won't be anxious, but isn't that nice if that's a byproduct? And just important skills, you know, like conflict resolution is a big important skill. One of the big things I've learned in quarantine is intervene only during violence with my children. Like, yeah. I could arbitrate 86 arguments a day, but I have forced myself to stop intervening. And, you know, it's also like people's personality. You know, my middle child, not surprisingly, is kind of the mediator. And, you know, but I hear them sometimes like, if mom comes down here, she's going to make us turn it off. So get it together. They're mediating their own disputes, you know? And I think, listen, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hot. Our air conditioning doesn't work well in my house. And I'm not looking forward to it, guys. But <laughs> it's not going to be fun. But I think there's stuff in it. If we just look for that stuff, the kids are going to be forced to do more free play this summer, but free play is not all bad. And so maybe we can back off and let it happen and see what happens. That's my plan. Yeah. And take it day by day. I mean, we're already, what is it? You know, we're a couple months into this already. And like, we got a couple months, maybe more to go of figuring it out. So, you know, it's just high five yourself every night when you're like, that's Wednesday done. Like you're getting through the day, you're winning it. That's my philosophy. And your kid playing with the rocks in the driveway is happy and learning self-control and they're going to be better off. They're going to be better than at the summer camp, maybe a little bit. I mean, it's easy to say, and it sounds really cliche and pat and somewhat annoying, I realize, but I actually believe that to be true. So there. I solved it. We're about to find out. <laughs> you solved it. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me in two months when I'm hot and miserable. But listen, I'm going to try. <laughs> Guys, we want to know what's going on. What are your summer plans? What's the one thing that you have in your backyard that your kids love playing on that's not expensive? So don't be like my third pool with an indoor you know, water park. Not interested. We can't afford that. I'm talking about an investment piece that is working really well for you guys. Come to facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast and tell us all about it. We're also on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube and TikTok now, you guys. We're on TikTok. We're oldie locks on TikTok. How did this happen? I know. Free play is how it happened. We also want to thank the Momtourage podcast. We want to thank Ashley and Carrie for being with us today. Their show is hilarious. Check it out. And guys, we will talk to you 
next week. So long. Talk to you next week. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks.